welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thank you, Fabian, for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate having you as a guest. Yeah, yeah, it's my, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Where are you at right now? So I'm at uh, I'm in Marshalltown, Iowa. This is where okay. we've been kind of serving God and doing life for the past two years. Um, okay. And right now I was at an event and kind of I'm in the car right now just recording. But um, yeah, that's where I am in the middle of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought that you could be anywhere around the world. It's not you know just looking at your Facebook profile and hearing from Billy. Sounds like you're a world traveler. Yeah, I mean, my wife and I love missions. We love serving God in, in different cultures, different nations. She's from Costa Rica, uh, from Cuban-American parents, and I'm from Colombia. We live in America. So we okay. are very um, multicultural, but then our, our goal and calling is, is to serve God overseas. So yeah, for sure, we're always just from one place to the next and uh, just eager to serve God. Okay, so serving God overseas, where I normally think, well, that's somewhere else besides the United States. But are you saying, like, from Colombia, the United States is overseas for you? For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, we moved two years ago and started a church here in, in Marshalltown. Okay. Um, and so we, we started, we helped start a church here. And, yeah, it's been uh, it's been kind of our missions field right here. Yeah. And then what made you choose that particular place I think God just opened the door and we were not expecting we were we were wanting to go overseas and just out of a sudden uh, someone contacted us and said hey um, will you help us plant this church you know we have this recommendation from this person will you come and yeah so it was just more like following God's lead we didn't really initiate anything he did so yeah. And why did you have the desire to serve God overseas? Well, that started back in, man, 2014, maybe 2013. Um, it was, I, I became a believer. So I really wanted to share that grace wherever I went. My first inst instinct was to go to Bible college. So it was in Bible college that God started putting that desire for um, missionary work. And so I had to, I had to kind of choose. That's what I met when I met Bill, Billy, uh, uh, at Rio Grande. So Rio Grande, you kind of have to choose if you're going to serve God as a pastor, as a missionary, as a teacher. And, and I didn't really know. I just wanted to serve God. Um, and so I asked, I asked God, well, what, what will you want me? And, uh, missions just came completely clear. I never thought about it. I never really wanted it. I wanted to go back to Colombia. I didn't really want to leave my family, food, and culture. <laughs> um, but um, God just really made it clear. And, and I said, well, let's do it. And so I, I kind of enrolled in the missions um, side branch emphasis at, at Rio Grande. Yeah. Yeah. How did that start for you, like your relationship with the guy, with God? Like, uh, 
before before like when I when I became a believer? Yeah. Yeah, um I grew up at a Christian in a Christian home my whole life. Grew up going to church, um but never really took God seriously. Um I read the Bible but never really made a, an impact and uh, an effect in my heart and I finished high school. I had been living in both worlds. I always say one foot in the church, in the church, one foot in the world. And I had kind of tasted and see and saw what the world was and just said, man, this is just not fulfilling. And I'm not really fulfilling God's, God's plan and God's purpose for my heart, for my life. So I better choose. And so, um, yeah, I, I started just having that reading the Bible just got that conviction from God to man this is the way this is what I need to do um and that grace you know grace is a big big word in my life and in my salvation uh just seeing how God still wanted me still loved me even though I had been a hypocrite for a lot of time I had been um yeah just offending him saying I was a Christian as a in for it was like the means to get to something right if i wanted someone to believe in me and uh, especially the girls for instance uh if i wanted a girl to like like me i would be like oh i'm a christian so you know i would put christ in the middle of my flesh or my sin uh just as, as an excuse and and at some point when god started kind of reviving my heart i was just like man he still wants me he loves me still even though I've just spit on or, or stepped on his name, used it in vain, he's still just like, I love you and follow me, right? So I was just like, man, that's why I, I started just thinking of vocational ministry, full-time ministry, just because of okay. that grace, right? Like, man, if that was given to me, it can be given to anybody. Hmm. Yeah. What gives you... Um confidence in like the things you believe like in the first of all that there is a god because we don't experience him with our senses of course you know we don't feel or see him um and and then even more particularly that um you know the con the stuff of the christian faith is like that's the right god like is there anything in particular that gives you confidence that you are on real truth when it comes to your yeah. beliefs? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, for sure. I've, I've thought about this for a long time and often, often, as I talk to unbelievers, right? It's, you kind of compare um, their lives, their beliefs to mine. I'm doing that all the time. When I'm talking about Jesus, I'm doing that. I'm, oh, that's what you believe? Cool, this is what I believe. And uh, I think what gives me confidence is, it's just, and you know, in my heart, I know he's there. And so in a way, I always, I tell people this way, right? Like if you say, hey, does your wife exist? So of course she exists. She's at home. You know, I love her. I feel all these things for her. She does this to me or she is this to me. And, and we have a relationship. This is how I know she exists. Um, and so when they, when I say, when I think of God, it's not like it's a statue and I 
I don't know if it, if it exists or not. And I just kind of come and bring some things to it. No, it's like, I know he's there. I know he talks to me. I know he guides me. He gives me peace. I'm in trouble. I'm questioning things. He is there to give me answers. And so when you're so close to a person, if someone just kind of questions the existence of that person, it's just like, in a way, ridiculous. Uh, so that really gives me confidence in my heart, my own heart. When I talk to people, though, of course, that's my opinion. That's not that's not their case. They're not experiencing God that way. Uh, so when I talk to them, it's more like, man, look, if you believe in the Big Bang, that just takes a lot of faith, right? If you believe in evolution, that just takes a lot of faith as well. If I believe in God, that also takes a lot of faith. But what I say is that God gave me that faith. He He's helping me believe in that. Like he's, you know, he's involved in my believing, in my living, in my everything. Uh, meanwhile, when you believe in science or, or just um, theories, I guess, because that's not really science. So when you believe in theories of how humans came into existence, how the world came into existence, uh, you're all, you're all on your own. And what I often say is that those beliefs are very dangerous. They're very bad because they don't give humans the value they have. Humans don't have the worth they deserve just because we are the product of nature, of evolution. You know, we're just like a simple animal. You you drove over as a squirrel or... Um, any animal, a deer, you don't really feel remorse. If you if you run over a person, you should feel something, right? But as an evolutionist and as some someone who believes in a big explosion that made everything happen, that human value is gone because now you're just reduced to matter and to the product of years and years and years of evolution. Now, when you come to God, he says, hey, you're made in my image and you're worth everything to me. You're worth everything to everything to God to the point that he came to he became one of us. Right. So, you know, I there is faith in both ways in whatever you want to believe. But I know for sure there's some some beliefs that takes you take your life to a better place. And there are some beliefs that take your life to man. It's very risky. It's very dangerous to go there. So that gives me a lot of confidence. Just that if you rationally think about it, man, um, faith in God is just the best you can have, right? Even if you face death, facing God, faith in God is the best. Or if you face trouble, shame, anything you face, if you believe in God, it's, it's you can do it, you know? But... Anything else is just, mm, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, well, I kind of, long answer, but. Well, it's fine. That's good. As far as like feeling, um, you know, the, the peace of God, his love and so forth, like you're kind of referring to that some. Um, so for me, like one day I feel like Jesus loves me and I feel close to him and it's like a source of joy for me. The next day, I'm not feeling that at all and I'm just trying to make it through the day. Um, 
And then the next day, you know, whatever I'm, I, I read something or I don't know even what it is, but like I'm feeling filled with God's spirit and ready to, you know, I'm, I'm just happy. I'm ready to talk with him, um, talk yeah, yeah, to yeah. others about him and so forth. But, um, I don't know. It's not, um, it's not very consistent. Like how is it for you and what helps you with that, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's a big difference between what I feel and who God is. Um, so he's a God of peace, a God of love, a God of comfort, a God of uh, teaching. He He's also uh, a God who loves, therefore he disciplines. Uh, he, he's many things, right? Uh, think of a father. I think God using the illustration of a father is so cool, so great. Because a father can be so many things. He can go from be loving one day to kind of be angry the next day, right? And, and that depends on yeah. us too, but also him being God, he never changes, right? So if we think of God as being love, he's always love. Whether we are um, accepting that, feeling it or not, and and the, the reality is that our hearts are deceitful, they're broken, they're fallen, um, but God is, is unchanging. We always change, our heart is always taking us to the next thing, um, making new idols, uh, but God is the same. And so when God promises to be with us, um, that should produce just peace every day, right? But maybe our sin get in the way. Or, or when God says, I'm, I'm, I am love and I love you, that should produce us that, that feeling of, man, someone cares about me and I'm important for someone. Uh, but some days we might just disobey him, therefore stay away from that love or just be selfish and therefore not care about what God says, what he cares about. So I guess, I guess for me, it's more like some days I feel really close to God. You're right. Some days I, uh, very, yeah. Some days I just don't feel like he's there. Some seasons too. It also goes by seasons in life. Um, but the, the, the truth of the matter is that God never changes, that he is good forever, uh, and that, uh, of course, we're going to change. Of course, God is going to take us to different seasons. Um, and, and God uses a lot the, the illustration of um, refining us through fire, like, like he does to gold. And if you think about that, it's a very painful process. If gold had feelings and, and you know, could feel the, the heat, uh, it would definitely be like, man, this is really, really hard. Can you just take me out? Um, and so there's also those those moments when God is working in our lives and he's refining us and making us better. It's ultimately for our good, but um, it's painful. It's hard. Actually, my wife and I just went through like a really hard year last year. And it's just definitely not somewhere I want to go back but we've grown so much we've seen God we've gotten so close to him and there are so many examples in the Bible that people that felt God had abandoned them right uh, just because it was hard but so there's so many things that play out but I think knowing God is is the is the, the important piece right 
if you know God, if you know that he never changes, if you know that he works in ways that we don't expect or sometimes we don't like, um, that is, I think that, that helps a lot in that, in those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when it comes to confidence, like what we were talking about and you talked about how some faith and beliefs leads you to a good place. It's kind of like when, for me, when I feel the joy of the Lord, it kind of confirms my beliefs because it's like, yeah, that, that was, that is working, you know, like having Jesus with me gives me that feeling of a life inside, you know? Um, But the other times, I guess it's just staying the course and waiting on him and so forth, you know? Like kind of sitting through it, right? Like if you think of Job, Job, um, Job was just having a hard time. And at some point, the best thing that his friends did, and for those who are listening who don't know the story of Job, it's a great story about this guy that suffers a lot. Uh, But the best thing his friends did was to sit with him through the pain and mourn with him, right? And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes that's the hardest part of all, just to sit through it. Uh, Hmm. When God does put us through trial, it's going to be hard, of course. It's trial. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. it's for our good, but I think the hardest thing is to stay in it. We that's when you know maybe sin comes or rebellion comes or uh, God doesn't really accomplish um, what He intended. I mean, God will accomplish His purpose, but I don't know. It, It 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 gets a little different, weird. Because we're not sitting through it. Because we're not saying, man, this is what God is doing. Let's let's go through it. Right? So I think Job is a great example. And whenever you talk about suffering or our feelings about God and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast today. And the, the speaker on the podcast was referring to the moon, how the moon is always around. But that's not how it appears. You know, sometimes it appears it's just a sliver or just a half moon, but it's always around. And he, he was using that yeah. as an illustration like, that um, God's always good. You know, sometimes we're, we only see half of it. We don't see the other half, but it, he's always good. Yeah. Amen um, to that. So, um, so you've done a lot of traveling. Um, have you, has that grown you in your understanding? Um, I mean, just seeing different parts of the world, like has it made you a a more wiser understanding person? And if so, like how, like how has that impacted your life, I guess? Yeah. I mean, it definitely, uh, I guess something that clearly, clearly makes you traveling, for instance, is is, it makes you grateful, Um, grateful for God for the work he's doing in our hearts, how he has saved me, right? Like, I don't deserve his salvation, his love. And uh, and there's people out there that are are not saved. And, of course, that's our goal. That's what he's calling us to do, to go there and preach his salvation. But then you think about economy, economy or health or even government, you know, stability. It's... All those things are just like, man, praise God that he's just so good to us. Like, why? Like, why was I born in Colombia? You know, Colombia, I mean, many people might think it's not a great place. Yes, we do have a lot of drugs. Yeah, we had a lot of drug dealers and stuff. 
Uh, but it's a great place. I mean, compared to a lot of countries, it's it's a great, good place. Very sweet, warm culture. Uh, a lot of good food. Uh, beautiful language. You know, a lot of good things, right? Um, and then and then I live in the states, right? A very prosperous country. Uh, my goal is not to stay here forever, right? But still, um, I think about that and I say, man, like how come and wasn't I born in Venezuela and then the whole crisis happened and then they had to flee or Syria or South Sudan or all these countries that are right now, Afghanistan, you know, think about just endless countries. Right now you can think of Ukraine. Uh, like, man, thank you, God, right? But at the same time, it's like, God, how can you use me to to help? Um So I think that gratefulness doesn't stay there in, oh, man, I'm so lucky. It actually goes beyond that. And it says, um, God, I think through your blessing, I want to bless others. I want to help others. And so uh, I think that is just a big thing that always happens every time we travel. Um, and and I think another big thing is just purpose in life. Um, I was coming, I was in Costa Rica once coming from a house of refuge for girls that had been taken away from their families. They were sexually abusing them. Every girl that was in that house, there were some 12 to 15 girls in that house. All of them were being sexually abused by their family, either by their family member, parents, or uncles, aunts, or being sold by them, right? Um, we had the whole day there. It was Christmas Day. We spent the whole day with them, celebrated Christmas, and... Um, it took me the whole day to finally have a conversation with one of the girls. They were scared from of, of men. They just didn't want to know anything about men, right? Men are just gross. They're just awful. Uh, and I was there with my wife. And so we were just serving. We were playing. And I was kind of, you know, all any girl, not, not a single girl talked to me. But at the end of the day, uh, like three of them just came one by one and started opening up, talking about different things, different struggles. They will tell me how they missed home, right? They wanted to be with their parents, even though they knew it hurt, even though they knew it was going to be bad for them. Um, anyway, I prayed with them or I talked to them. The night ended. We were going back home. We had a team. We were with a team for that trip. And, and everybody was just playing games, talking. It's all college students. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I cannot live my life doing a 40-hour job, going back home and watching football, and uh, I don't know, going to Florida in the in the summer, and just doing normal life with people like this in the world, needing some sort of help. Like I, something needs to change, right? Um, there's a great author. His name is David Platt. He has a, a book called Something Needs to Change. He writes that from the Himalayas. The, the Yeah, the Himalayas. And he goes there and he's like, man, something needs to change in America. We need to go. We need to do something. Uh, so I think as soon as you travel and you are doing God's work, uh, just realize, man, there is a need for more, more of this. Um, so yeah, from all my traveling, I mean, it's never... In a way, enough. We can never make a huge impact in a month, in a couple of weeks. But we are impacted the most, for sure. Like, 
your life changes. And so I think uh, right after I got back from my, my last trip, we visited some 10 different countries. I preached at my church and I was like telling just the whole church, guys, you need to go. Of course, not everybody's called to go overseas and live there and, you know, move uh, for good. But you're called to go. And I think you have the finance, financial means to go to a different country and be changed by God. Um, if you don't go, it's just you just get too comfortable here. Um, you don't see life from the perspectives of others. So, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely just so many things with traveling. It's so cool. Apart from, you know, sightseeing and enjoying different food, um, just the, the impact it has in your in your personal life is incredible. Yeah. Um, well, when, when it comes to you, what, um, what routines or rituals or just things that you do in your life are meaningful and help you to be close to God and that type of thing? Is there any kind of like practices or things you do like each week or each or daily or just routinely that is, is meaningful to you? Yeah, um, definitely. I'm, I'm in the word every day. Uh, and throughout the day, I'm praying. Um, so I've, I've changed a lot of things in my life. For instance, one is how much I'm in my phone, how much notifications affect me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial, so I have a phone all 24-7. Uh, so I've kind of changed that. I try to turn off my phone every night. So when I wake up, before I go to work, I'm just with God. I'm alone with God. I'm praying. I'm reading. I'm writing, journaling. I'm doing whatever. Just alone with God. Nobody's awake, so it's perfect. Uh, so I, I started doing those things and then um, uh, pray throughout the day. So I don't, I don't really have any social media in my phone. So I just, you know, if I'm, uh, it's called, what's it called? Boredom. Or, um, I mean, whenever you're in a line waiting, whenever you are, oh yeah, bored or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like whenever you have any, any, any free moment, mm-hmm. it's a moment to say, "Hey, God, how's it going?" Right? Like, go talk to God. Your phone takes that away. Your phone is like, "Well, go to your phone and just be in it." Mm-hmm. So I've started. I've started to change those things, and then a big thing that my wife and I just started. Um, a couple of months ago is to rest. So I'm a, I'm like a, my personality is a little bit of a go-getter. Uh, if you, if you hear me right now, I, I'm kind of talking fast, even though my English, like English is not my first language, but I just rather speak fast. I, I cannot just be very slow and perfect in my pronunciation. I have to be just, so, um, God intended us, intended for us to rest, to at least take one day and stop. That's what Shabbat means. Shabbat means stop. Uh, when the Bible says God rested, that's a way you can translate it. But he literally stopped. It's, you know, and God stopped from all his work. He rested from all his work. Uh, of course, God doesn't need to rest. But he literally took a day and said, I'm not doing anything this day. And so... Of course, the New Testament doesn't say, well, the Jews had Sabbath, so now we have to have Sabbath too. 
and it's commanded. A lot of churches don't practice it, you know, and, and maybe some people take Sunday as their Sabbath. Uh, but anyways, in all that, my wife and I just decided that it is just a, a huge gift from God, rest. And and so we started, yeah, doing from Friday night. So actually today is an exception because we had an event and my wife had to help um, my sister-in-law with some um, selling some stuff. And so I'm, I, I kind of scheduled this call tonight because I knew she was going to be there. Um, and right after the call, I'm going to go back there. But normally... Uh, Friday night, a sunset, or even before, because sunset in Iowa could be at 9 p.m., we we eat dinner, and that's the start of our Sabbath. And so we eat dinner, uh, we break bread, just pray to Jesus, thank, thanking God for our, our salvation. Sorry about that. Um, just kind of... <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just starting, starting rest, thinking of Him, worshiping Him. And then Saturday is a chill day. We don't rush. We don't hurry about anything. We don't worry about anything. Um, we wake up at whatever time our one-year-old wakes up and lets us sleep. Uh, and then we make breakfast. We enjoy a good breakfast, good coffee. We read the Bible. At some point, we sing together. And so implementing that in our lives has just been like, man, I look forward to Saturday. Um uh, of, of course, I look forward to sleeping in, but I also look forward to just like not have anything scheduled, not have anything that I'm going to do. It's just I'm just looking forward to stop, stop from all my doing. And so I guess the our main um, emphasis or um, focus is whatever is rest, restful. And whatever is worshipful. And so if it worships God and if it gives us rest, we do it. If for some reason I rest by doing um, the yard, yard work, I'm going to do your work and just kind of, you know, find pleasure in that. If my wife, uh, you know, finds pleasure in cleaning the house, she might do that. Like, you know, it's not necessarily the same for everybody. But, um, yeah, so that's a good practice that we started recently. Um, and, and we've thought of, we haven't done it yet of a retreat. We really would like to do like a two, three night retreat somewhere, my wife and I, with no phones and not media and not kids and just, just be there with God. Just maybe do some fasting prayer. Uh, we haven't really quite planned that yet, but we really want to do it. Um, but yeah, those are some things I think. The biggest thing is this thing here, like getting this away from my life in a way that it lets me do life with God. It's been super, super great. Um, yeah. 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 That's interesting what you're saying about Sabbath and so forth. I was listening to someone else talk about that and just thinking I, I'd like to try it myself. Um. You know, I just wonder about our culture, about how fast paced we are. And there is pleasure in like getting things accomplished, a certain type yeah. of pleasure, you know, and maybe that, you know, we were just kind of like addicted to that perhaps. But I was just thinking about how Jesus would um, get away. Like, I, I think I was reading in 
John chapter six about, you know, they wanted to come and make him king by force. So he retreated, you know, up into the hills or whatever. He got away. And I, I just was thinking, you know, Jesus got away and probably spent a lot of, you know, had time just to be quiet, um, to think about things. He walked. So, um, you know, when you're walking, that's plenty of time to just think about yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and we're so, you know, we, um, we're in this culture, so we feel like it's normal, but I wonder if it's pretty abnormal compared to how humans have lived throughout most of human history. You know, I, I don't know. Um, sometimes it just feels like there's almost guilt in not being busy. And, um, yeah, yeah. and of course I don't want, um, my coach, I don't want my life to be defined by my culture. I want to know what pleases God, you know? And so I can't just do what seems normal in my culture. I have to kind of try to have some discernment about what God is pleased with and just set myself on that. But, um, yeah, I just wonder if, um, you know, what would be a healthier way to live than, you know, if, if we are too busy or something, you know, I don't know. Oh, for sure. And it would be a good start, you know. And I, I think Jesus is the right example, right, for everything. Um, mm-hmm. He, I mean, he was never rushed. He was never too busy. Even when he was too busy, he just said, you know what? I'm just going to go there alone and pray. I'm just going to go there and and take my time with God. I I want to try. He treasured that more than anything else. He could have been, you know, he was the most famous person in his, in his time. And he had all this attention. And yet he's just like, uh, I better go walk and just be with be with my father. Um, even, even, I mean, his lifestyle, right? Like, if you think of Jesus, of, of anything... Uh, or anything that comes to mind when we think of Jesus, you never think of him as a rushed person. Right. He was hurry. You know, he there's this guy rushing him to go heal his daughter, right? It's, this is a this is a beautiful example. And then he's walking with a multitude around him and someone touches him. He says, Wait, someone touched me. I mean the disciples were like, What are you talking about? We're all touching you, like we're all touching each other. Uh, it's not like COVID times, right? Uh, and and he's like, no, 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 no. Power has come from me. And of course, you know, the women with the, you know, blood flow, she says, it's me, Lord. And like, you know, you we hear that conversation between Jesus and these women. But you think of the guy that is like, uh, Jesus, remember my daughter? Like, she's dying, man. Can you like maybe hurry up? No, Jesus is just like living in the moment. And mm, and of course, good. he's like, ah, oh, don't worry, man. I'll, I'm going to heal her. Um, but you just, he knows God is in control. You know, mm-hmm. he knows the world is not going to spin around outside of God's hand. He, you know, he knows he is in control in a way. And so um, I think... That's just a beautiful picture of, of how our culture is so, so far from that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, is that the right thing that we fall into that? I mean, since since the light bulb was invented, right, our lives changed. And right. then 
since the phone was invented, our life changed even worse, even more. I, I'm, I'm gonna say better or worse, but it's just it changed a lot more. Um, has right. have those changes been good for us? For our spiritual lives, I don't know. That that depends on each person. Uh, but I'll argue in my life, it hasn't been the greatest. And so I've kind of taken steps and learned things that I need to take out and change and uh, and just not follow the culture. I mean, right? As as instinct instinct based or uh, instinctively that that is just. Um, think following Jesus is the best. <laughs> right. And then the way Jesus, I think there's a lot to learn from Jesus. Um, recently, I was thinking about, you know, how he talked with his apostles leading in the book of John leading up to his crucifixion. And he's so uh, pastoral, shepherdly, like he's talking about how he's going to go away and they're going to be in distraught and so forth. But he, he's kind of encouraging them and comforting them. But he's the one who's on his way to be executed, crucified, and he's, but he's taking time to be concerned for them, and uh, that kind of impressed me um, here recently. And I, and to think that that's the type of person Jesus is, and then in some way, Jesus is with us. You know, that type of person is with us, and. Um, we don't have to be afraid of that because he um, he's merciful to the most sinful of the sinners. You know, it's not yeah. like he's going to despise us or something along those lines. So um, anyway, yeah. it's something to consider. And that, and that same Jesus uh, said, I, I will be with you, right, until the ends of the earth. And, and this right. is resurrected Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to be with you forever yeah. and it's actually better that i leave because i'll be inside of you and, and man and, yeah. and again i think going back to that question of like you know uh, how do you know this is the right faith or that this is for sure man like what better thing can you believe in this world right that a god is just giving you so much of him and right. and the point that he's just like i'm just gonna even like be inside of you and guide you from within right and praise praise god you know yeah um all right well um i guess one thing i'd like to ask is um i don't know what have you learned about how to live uh you know, like you know about you know how to make the most of your time and well you know that maybe you didn't know when you were younger or just I don't know. We may have been already been covering that perhaps maybe it's just the same topic, but does anything else come to to mind or Or how to live just my Christian life? Right. Right, yeah, just how to make the most of life the most of each day. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I do have um, something there. Um, I think making the most of life is is about following Jesus. It's about walking with Jesus. And I always think of Abraham. And I was preaching recently and saying how Abraham was 
the first missionary that there ever was, right? Like God takes this man and says, hey, go from your people, from your culture, everything to the place where I'll send you. At least today we know where we're going. Uh, it's not like this missions organization tells you, hey, we're going to send you somewhere, pack everything and we'll send you. But where? No, 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 no. We're going to do it Abraham style. No, no. You know, at least we know now. But you think of Abraham and and thinking of how to live this Christian life, a, a life of faith. I think Abraham is a perfect example, right? When when I just think, man, how much would have him missed out on? How much blessing, how much of of God, of God's presence, of God's joy would have he would have he missed if he would have been like well, God, I'm just not sure. I just don't think, I just, you know, whatever excuse, right? And and I think for my personal life, it's just following God, whatever. It's just following God, whatever he leads. And and to be honest, we came back from our mission trip um, really eager to serve our local church, to maybe stay one more year, go overseas. And we started just kind of seeing some bumps around the road, around the, along, along the way. Um our citizenship was gonna take longer, so we will have we had to because I'm I'm waiting to be an, a U.S. citizen to go and be full time missionary. So that was gonna take longer, so we had to stay here for at least a couple more years, and then I was really really wanting to just take more skills and more learn new things. So when I go overseas, I can, especially in countries like in the Middle East, uh, you cannot just go there as a missionary. You have to be doing something so i really wanted skills training stuff like that um and so being back working with the church is amazing right but it's church ministry it's within the church it's not really like preparing me to be with unbelievers and preparing me with uh skills new jobs whatever and so my wife and i just started praying well god do you still want us here um and believe it or not i mean the option of the of the military came up it had come up a, a couple of years ago, uh, but it came up again. And and I know people, especially Christians, all, all over the spectrum with the military, right? Some of them are very, oh, man, congratulations. Some of them are just like, have you just lost your mind? Um, but, but for your question, like living a Christian life, following God, my wife and I were praying, God, what is what's next? We feel like maybe our time here is over. And, and for both of us, individually, separately, it was like somehow with that of the military, both of us. And of course, my wife is not going to join active duty, but she will be on a base and she will want to, she will love to ministry to all those women that are maybe wives or of people in deployment or just wives, military wives that are at home. And I would love to minister to my platoon and the, and the guys that are around me in that tight community. Uh, and so, would you, and then apart from that, they give you skills. I'll be a medic. I'll be entering the medical field. Uh, they give you school opportunities. So, anyways, uh, life with God, right? Like it just seems, or is very unexpected. You don't know where you will be in the next five years. Yet, as Christians, we come up with this ten-year plans, right? And uh, it's all about our career or the place where we live. And I think those are things that. Um, I wouldn't say they, um, 
they ruin God's plans or get in the way because God accomplishes what he wants regardless. But I'll say you miss out on a lot of, on living on God's full potential for your life just because you're afraid, just because um, you have more faith in a job and financial stability or whatever it is than in God himself. Um, so yeah, I think for for our Christian life, for what I've been learning, sorry, there's a lot of motorcycles around. It's summer in Iowa. We get like three months of summer, so everybody gets their motorcycles out. <laughs> but for your Christian walk, man, I think listening to God and not just listening, but listening and obeying, it just takes you to a whole different um, dimension in a way. I mean, I was yeah. just re- recently, I finished reading and meditating in James. Um, and James, in, in the last chapter, I think it's James 5 something. He says, um, James 5.17, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet, when he prayed earnestly, that no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Right? This is like, all of us at some point as Christians have been like, yeah, I mean, that was Elijah. That was Moses. That was Abraham. Oh, that's Jesus. Like, you cannot compare. Yet, like James right here is like, hey, Elijah, just a human like we are. Here's this guy praying that it would, it would not rain, and it didn't rain. And and I think, you know, we miss out. We miss out on so much of God's purpose, work, blessings, just because we say, well, I don't know. I just don't have the faith or this or that. But if you think of men like Elijah, like Moses, Abraham, women like Rahab or Mary or just so many women in the Bible are just like, hey, God, whatever you want, it's up to you. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just a big point in, in Christian life. Yeah. When it comes to prayer, that's a little bit like a, a mystery to me. Um, I think I should pray more. And I think that, um, you know, it's definitely important from a biblical perspective, but it's kind of, it somewhat doesn't make sense in that, you know, if, if God wants to do something, you know, uh, wouldn't he do it? Well, maybe he wants us to ask. Okay. But, um, do we, he, if he hears us when we ask, does it make any difference if we get other people to ask f- along with us? And is it more effective if we're like getting a whole lot of people to, you know, ask for the same yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some aspects of it just, it's like he knows. Um, but um, anyway, I can see how it's a pretty fundamental part of, um, you know, spiritual life from the biblical perspective. I guess I don't have to understand it completely, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a book by Philip Yancey. Uh, he's a great journalist, uh, Christian journalist. And he, he writes a book on prayer. It's called prayer. Hmm. Uh, 
and this is a guy that is always asking all these hard questions, right? <laughs> and so he goes in this book just asking that hard question. What is prayer? And um, yeah. do we need it? Like, well, if God is going to do whatever he wants, why do we have to pray? And um, anyway, he answers just a lot of questions. It's, it's actually really, really good. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a very important part. Um, I think one of the things he says clearly is like, we're, we're commanded to pray. It's also yeah. a privilege. People in the Old Testament, they didn't just go in God's presence, right? They had to do all these things. Yet here we are like, well, does it even work? Do we have to do it? You know, and then you see Jesus going like, I need to pray all the time. And so there's a lot of things that it's just like, well, clearly you do need to pray. Um, you know, why and all those questions, I think. Uh, if you if you are genuinely asking, God is going to give you an answer or help you, or he has maybe also provided some insight and wisdom on people to kind of help you through those questions. But no, yeah, it's, it's definitely a huge part in our Christian lives. I can see how it. I need it in the sense that like when I listen to the news, um, I don't think it's healthy just to hear of catastrophe and these things and just let it go in one ear and, and not do anything, you know, and just have so much of that. Whereas if I have some way to respond to it, even if that's just prayer, that seems more like something like I need, I need um, it to um, respond to the things that I hear about, um, you know, praying for our leaders. It's just, somehow makes me have a part or in some way, I think, you know. Well, I, um, I think I lost Fabian. His, um, he was having, he had some computer problems. So um, I really appreciate Fabian's time and um, the conversation and his thoughts about things, his insight. So um, I think I'll just kind of wrap things up right here. And I hope that you enjoyed it as well. Mm -hmm.